0: And it is a joy indeed to be in the house of the Lord today. Is it not? You're supposed to say amen. That is right. It is good that God gave us the health to be here today. And the desire to want to be here today. I could wish for so many more people that they could be in this service. Because they are going to be spared the blessing of the Lord that you get in this hour. Let me say just a word and we'll have prayer for the offering. Christmas Day comes on Sunday. And you think this is bad, you wait till Christmas Day comes. I mean, that's the Lord's birthday. (laughs) And we're all going to stay home and observe the Lord's birthday. Folks, I'll tell you what. And this includes the preacher. We're so backslidden, we don't know whether we're coming or going. But you're here. Amen. And I'm Amen. glad you are, and I'm glad to be here today. And Amen. we miss those who could not be here. Brother Ted had called. He was quite concerned about his dad, who has, he's in critical condition. And I want you to pray for Ted, and I want you to pray for Cindy, sweet couple, sweet family in our church. They could not be here today. And let's remember them in our prayers. Father in heaven, we're so thankful to be in the house of the Lord on this Lord's day. And our Father, we pray that you might move upon us and move in our hearts and Make us know that you've met with us today and what a wonderful day it has been. We thank thee for these who are here and we miss those who are not here and we pray for them in their absence, Lord, watch over them and keep them safely and return them to the house of the Lord. Heavenly Father, we ask now your blessing upon Ted, and Christie, and not just us. Upon them only, but Lord, so many are facing times of sickness in this time in which we live. Please watch over them and keep them safely. And Heavenly Father, bless this offering and get honor and glory out of it. We ask these things for Christ's sake. Amen. Would you be seated, please? And thank you, dear Sister Nell, for that offertory. I love music, and I love to hear it when it's played by people who really know how to play it. And uh, we thank the Lord for our pianist for this day. Now, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to one of my favorite Psalms. And it's Psalm number 103. I'm asking you to turn because the reading of it is a little lengthy, but every word is packed full of spiritual nourishment. And we all need a spiritual food demonstration today. In Psalm 103, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me name bless the Lord O my soul and forget not all of his benefits who forgiveth all thine iniquities and who healeth all thy diseases who redeemeth thy life from destruction who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies who satisfiest thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord executeth righteousness and judgment for all that are oppressed. He made known his ways unto Moses, his acts unto the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious and slow to anger and plenteous in mercy." He will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. For he knoweth our frame. He remembereth that we are dust. As for man, his days are as grass. As a flower of the field, so he flourisheth. For the wind passeth over it, and it's gone. And the place thereof shall know it no more. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him and his righteousness unto children's children. To such as keep his covenant to those that remember his commandments to do them. The Lord hath prepared his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom uh, ruleth over all. Bless the Lord, ye his angels, that excel in strength and do his commandments, hearkening unto the voice of his word. Bless ye the Lord, all you hosts, ye ministers of his, that do his pleasure, Bless the Lord, all his works in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. The theme of the 103rd Psalm is reasons for praising the Lord. Why should we give thanks to God? Why should we praise him for his benefits? Why should we respond to him? He loved us. Because we love him because he first loved us. How should we respond? I want to give you a subtitle this morning to the same chapter. And it is this, what Thanksgiving is all about. I believe that it is a good thing to celebrate a period called Thanksgiving. And I know there are some things that happen during Thanksgiving like Family members get together that you haven't seen for a long time. And meals are prepared, some of the most delicious food you'll ever eat. And most of us eat too much of it when we sit down. And uh, we, we make it fine through Thanksgiving Day. But you know what the day is called that follows Thanksgiving Day? Black Friday. Black Friday. It's almost like we missed it. What is Thanksgiving all about? Just as Handel had his Messiah with a hallelujah chorus, John Phillips says this psalm is David's hallelujah chorus. Anytime we have trouble praising the Lord we should turn to this psalm and get down before the Lord and recite it back to Him. In Psalm 107, the psalmist clearly exhorts, Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works to the children of men. He says this in that 107th psalm in verse 8. Verse 15, verse 21, and verse 31. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. In applying the 103rd Psalm, it goes into greater detail by giving us reasons for praising the Lord. And as I said, I want to elaborate on this David says in Psalm 116, verse number 12, What shall I render unto the Lord for all of his benefits toward me? That word render, we do not use it so much in that context in today's language, but it means what shall I give back unto the Lord for all of his benefits toward me? And he says, bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. That greeting and that salutation is in the beginning and the ending of both Psalm 103 and Psalm 104. Have you ever noticed that? In Psalm 103, how does it begin, Pastor? It says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless His holy name. How does it end in that same chapter 103? Bless the Lord, verse 22, in his works in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. It's almost like he can't say enough, this great exclamation here. Because in Psalm 104, how does he begin it? Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. How does he end Psalm 104? Bless thou the Lord, O my soul. Praise ye the Lord. That's what you do on Thanksgiving. Yeah, eat a little turkey, that's all right. But you do a whole lot of blessing the Lord. Blessing the Lord, O my soul. In Psalm 104. 145, verse 2, David says, Every day will I bless thee, and I will praise thy name forever and ever. In Psalm 92, verses 1 through 2, he says that it's a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord, and to sing praises unto thy name to show forth thy loving kindness in the morning and thy faithfulness every night. That, ladies and gentlemen, is what Thanksgiving is all about. Blessing the Lord. Praising the Lord. Not thinking so much about what a good time we're having. That's humanism. Humanism. But reversing it to direct our attention to the Lord and what He thinks about it, to bless His holy name. Bless the Lord. Did you notice as I read that 103rd Psalm, bless the Lord is used seven times? Seven times, bless the Lord. Now we're faced with some introductory questions. Number one, what does it mean? To bless the Lord. If that's what we're to do at times of thanksgiving to God, if that's what thanksgiving is all about, then what is it we're to do? The word bless comes from the Hebrew word B-A-R-A-K Barak. And it means to thank. It means to adore. And it means to praise. It is the expression of gratitude to God for His mercy and his grace. Now, question two, where does this praise come from? Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name, O oh my soul. That's not talking so much about the body as it is talking about the soul, it refers to our mind. It refers to our will. It refers to our emotions. Basically, it refers to the heart. Where does this praise come from? In Psalm 111, verse 1, Praise ye the Lord. I will praise the Lord with my whole heart. Not my whole H-O-L heart, but my W-H-O-L-E, my entire heart. When one is saved, the Holy Spirit comes inside to take up his dwelling. We know that, but we take it too much for granted. Someone has said, and I concur with it completely, complaints come from the flesh, but praise comes from the Holy Spirit. Who is the one who is blessing the Lord? Who is the one that's blessing the Lord? In Psalm 145 verse 10, all thy works shall praise thee and thy saints shall bless thee. It is not that we're waiting on the world to bless the Lord. They never have and they never will. But God's saints have every reason in the world to bless the Lord. The works of creation, the animals, the trees, the mountains, the streams, even all of God's creation praises the Lord, but only believers bless his holy name. Who should be involved in this? God's people, Christian people, people who know the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior. Notice verse number 2 of that 103 psalm. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Did you not know that God is a beneficial God? He benefits his people. He blesses his people all the time that the Israelites were going through the 10 plagues and they were dying by the hundreds going through those plagues. All the times those plagues were going on, not one of the plagues touched God's people. Not one. God was so good to his people. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. And then he starts out, Naming some of the benefits for which we need to be thankful. I know that we thank him for our home. And I know that we thank him for our family. And I know that we thank him for our health. But notice what David zeroes in on in the 103rd Psalm. He forgives all thine iniquities. Well, that's a reason for really blessing the Lord. Notice he does not forgive some of our iniquities. He forgives all of our iniquities. Not some, but all. And notice they're not mistakes. He forgives us of our mistakes. No, it doesn't say that. He forgives us of our iniquities. Iniquities are twisted and perverted sins, which are loathsome. And not that he just casually glances at it, but he overlooks, he forgives it. He puts it behind him. Another thing he's grateful to the Lord about and the benefit of the Lord, he healeth all thy diseases. This does not teach physical healing in the atonement. Some use Isaiah 53 verse 5 and they include healing in the atonement. Isaiah 53 5 said, He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes we are healed. Watch this. The healing of our diseases has to do with the spiritual disease of sin. If healing were in the atonement, we would never die. If healing were in the atonement, if Christ died that we might be healed as we think of being healed, no one would ever die. Not only does the Lord forgive us our iniquities, but he heals the scars of our sins as well. Why is sin called a disease? In verse number three, four things. It destroys the moral beauty of the creature. None of us perhaps are as what we would like to be today because of some bad decisions we made yesterday. And sin has a way of tearing you down. Second of all, it destroys or brings about pain. Thirdly, it disables from duty. We cannot perform like we once did because we're too involved in sin, and sin leads to death. He forgiveth all thine iniquities, healeth all thy diseases. And in verse number four... Who redeemeth thy life from destruction? Who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies? He redeemeth our life from destruction. His forgiveness is based upon redemption. He paid for our sins with his precious blood. He could forgive us because he has redeemed us. And crowns us with loving kindness. That crown is sonship. We're all princes of the king. No child of God lives on the wrong side of the tracks. We live at the king's table. And we eat the king's food. Because we're sons of God. That's a pretty good reason for saying, Bless the Lord, oh my soul. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But to them that received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. I am a son of God today because of what Christ did for me at Calvary. Bless the Lord. O my soul. In verse number five, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. This satisfaction, I believe, is the peace that passes all understanding. When you're completely satisfied, you don't want anything else. If you're satisfied, God gives us contentment and rest in him. He's the only one that can do that. When we face difficult times, when we face impossible times, we often look to people to lift the load with us and make it a little bit more bearable for us. But when we turn it over to the Lord, he takes care of all of it. He, bless the Lord, oh my soul, and our youth is renewed that's a statement indicating that we've been born again. I do not know how the French pronounce it, but I've always pronounced his name, Ponce de Leon. Ponce de Leon. He discovered the fountain of youth. You said, well, what happened to him? He died. We've been born again. It's like starting life all over. That's what Christianity is. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. Sin with its burdens and guilt and aging process, with that gone, the burden no longer wears us out. I've been born again. Verse number 10, he hath not dealt with us after our sins nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. Aren't you grateful for that? He never gave us what we deserved. He has bestowed grace upon us. We found mercy with him and not justice. What if we had to stand Before the holy God and plead our own case. What if we had to answer for our own sins? What would it have been like had there not been a Calvary? We'd still be living in our sins. But because of what Christ did for us on the cross. He's forgiven us. Though God has not dealt with us after our sins, He certainly dealt with His sons after our sins because it was our sins that were placed upon Him. Verses 11 and 12, For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is His mercy toward them that fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath He removed our transgressions from. From us. What does God do with our sins when he forgives us of them? What does he do with all those nasty, rotten, ungodly things when he saves us? In the atonement, God took our sins off us and placed them on his son And that's why Christ Jesus had to die on the cross because he became sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Once Christ paid the debt for our sins, what did he do with those sins? I never shall forget as a child being raised by strict parents, who loved me, but they were the boss. And whenever I took a bath, once in a while my mom would remind me, all of that grunge on you is going to go down the drain. And when you get out of that tub, you'll get out clean. One day, by the work of the Holy Spirit, God brought me to the cross of Jesus Christ and enlightened my heart. What God does with my sins, they don't exist anymore. Isaiah 38, 17, Thou hast cast all my sins behind thy back. Micah 7, 19, that will cast all of their sins into the depths of the sea. In Acts chapter 3, verse number 19, repent you therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 17, and their sins and their iniquities I will remember no more. That's a marvelous thing about God's forgiveness that is so unlike our forgiveness. Our forgiveness always has a contingent clause to it. I'm going to forgive you, but I ain't going to forget it. Well, dear friends, if you have not forgotten it, you still have it. But the Lord says, I will cast it behind my back. And their sins and iniquities I will remember no more. He puts them in the sea of God's forgetfulness. That's too deep for me. What in the world is God's forgetfulness? It is the depository for our sins, and he remembers them no more. Psalm 103, verse 12, He hath removed our transgressions from us. We don't live in the same body we were in. That is, we've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, and He's changed our lifestyle. That verse number 11, I do so like it, for as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is His mercy toward them that fear Him. We have a vertical measure That is used to measure the distance between our sins and God if we trust the Lord, if we live for the Lord, if God saves us by His grace. There is a separation there. And it is a vertical measure as the heaven is high above the earth. How high is that? Stand on the earth and look up to heaven. The sun is 93 million miles away. But heaven is much further than that. It is so far out there, you can't see them anymore. You can't see them anymore. I don't want to see them anymore. Do you? See what? What I used to be, the things I used to do. I hope and pray to God I'm through with that and will never be faced with it again because he did it concerning all my sins. There is a horizontal measure that is used to measure the difference between our sins and God taking and separating us from our sins. A horizontal measure. In verse number 12, as far as the east is from the west. So far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Get out your tape measure. You're going to be taping a long while on that one. The north has a fixed location known as the North Pole. The south has a fixed location known as the South Pole. But there is no East Pole and there is no West Pole. Once you start out east, you'll always go east. And once you start out west, you'll always go west. It'll never become east. There's no way to determine the distance between east and west. And yet God separated us from our sins as far as the east is from the west. In verse number 13... Again, as far as the east is from the west so far, hath he separated or removed our transgressions from us. In verse 13, like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. Pitieth. That's in the present tense. It is not pitied. It is not God pitied me. he, He pitieth me. Present tense even today God pities me and puts mercy upon me. Our Lord continues to pity us. By the way, the word in the Hebrew means to fondle. To fondle. That means he cradles us in his arms and he hugs us. When we fall as a baby learning to walk, He picks us up and holds us closely. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Verse number 14, and I do so like this. He knoweth our frame. (laughs) I don't believe the Lord spent too much time going to Miss America pageants. He knoweth our frame. He knows what you're made of. And he knows what you look like. And apart from his grace, he knows where you're going. He knoweth our frame. He remembereth that we are dust. That's the best that God could ever say about our righteousness. We're the the dust. This gives us the reason for such compassion. He knows our frame. He does not remember our sins, but he does remember that we're dust. He doesn't remember our sins, but he remembers that we are dust. When we fall, he does not step on us. Thank God for that but rather he lifts us up and fondles us and holds us tightly to himself. Bless the Lord. Oh, my soul. Verse number 17, the scripture says, But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him and his righteousness unto children's children. From everlasting by predestination to everlasting by glorification. The one is without beginning and the other one is without ending. From everlasting to everlasting. Very quickly look at verse number 19. The Lord hath prepared his throne in the heavens and his kingdom ruleth over all. It was this throne that stirred up Lucifer's unholy ambition. Do you know, God did not make Lucifer a devil, he became a devil. He was an anointed cherub. According to the 14th chapter of the book of Isaiah, the 14th chapter of the book of Isaiah. Let me read you verses 12 through 15. God is speaking to Lucifer at the time of his falling. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which did weaken the nations? For you said in your heart, now this is what Lucifer said in his heart that brought a response from God to cast him out of heaven. For you said in your heart, I will ascend him. Put these down. I will ascend unto heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high God. Those words came from Lucifer. It was this throne that God sat on that stirred up Lucifer's unholy ambition. He wanted to kick God off the throne and take charge of heaven. A lot of folks live in that mode today. It was this throne that captivated Isaiah in the year that King Isaiah died. In the sixth chapter of the book of Isaiah, it says, in the year that King Isaiah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne. He's always been on that throne. I saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had seven wings. With twain he covered his face. With twain he covered his feet. And with twain he did fly. And one of those angels cried and said to the other one, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Then said, I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I'm a man of unclean lips and dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. Mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts, Where did Isaiah see him? He's sitting on his throne. The same throne he was sitting on when Lucifer saw him sitting on the throne and sought to dethrone him. And it was also this throne that John described in Revelation chapter 4 and Revelation chapter number 5. And it goes something like this in verses 1 through 4 of chapter 4 of Revelation. John says, After this I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven. The first voice which I heard was as it were of a trumpet talking with me, and said, Come up here, and I'll show you things which must be hereafter. And immediately I was in the spirit. And behold, and hear the words, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. And he that sat was to look upon like jasper, sardine stone. There was a rainbow round about the throne in the sight of the emerald. And round about the throne were four and twenty twenty seats. And upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting and clothed with white raiment. And they had on their heads crowns of gold. And briefly in Revelation chapter 5, verses 6 and following I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had been slain, having seven heads, seven eyes, seven horns, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth unto all the earth. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne and when he had taken the book the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the lamb having every one of them harps I don't know how to play a harp but they do having golden vials full of fragrances odors which are the prayers of the saints and they sang a new song what was their song that our God is a God of kings and priests, and we shall reign on earth with him. The throne. The throne. And that's what verse 17 was talking about. There in Psalm 103. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him and his righteousness unto children's children. Notice all the angels are with him in his kingdom to carry out his good will. And a final statement. One day... The Lord Jesus, who has been at the Father's right hand for the past 2,000 years, will come back to this earth and establish a reign of righteousness for 1,000 years. And it is the saints that will rule and reign with him. Well, what do you say to that, Pastor? I having one thing to say, bless the Lord, (laughs) oh my soul, and all that is within me, I believe this will be most likely to come forth from the lips and hearts throughout eternity as we sit around God's throne in heaven. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me. And the bottom line is, This is what thanksgiving is all about. Thanking the Lord. Blessing the Lord. Adoring the Lord. Bowing before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Let's stand, please, for prayer. Dear Father in heaven, we thank thee for the time you have given us to sit around and just listen to the word of God, how precious it is, how good it is, in spite of all of our hurts and all of our disappointments and all of our miseries. Oh God, in spite of all of these things, we join David in saying, bless the Lord, oh my soul and all that is within me. And may we, especially at this time of the year, day and night, not forget and never forget the benefits that he's placed upon us and given to us. Thank you for our church. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for meeting with us today. And thank you for having mercy upon us and let us... Have the privilege one day of being in heaven with you throughout eternity. For we ask it in Christ's name, and for his sake we pray. Amen. Brother Roger, do we have a song, sir? In your hymn book, hymn number